now, uh, off and on for uh, a couple of months, and uh, we're, we're working our way through that. And one of the things that we've said about the book of Philippians is that, that Philippians is, um, it, it's, the, the message of the book of Philippians is that, is that there's joy in the gospel. There's joy in the gospel. And, uh, and so we want to continue that message series today, looking at Philippians 2, uh, verses 19 through 30. Uh, so this last week, this last week, Joy and I, we, we, we were at home, and one of the things that we like to do uh, from time to time is later in the evening when we're kind of winding down, relaxing, uh, we kind of like to enjoy kind of a, a sweet treat sometimes. Uh, and so uh, it was, I don't know which night, maybe it was Wednesday night, I can't remember, but we were... Uh, we were kind of winding down, and, and Joy is really good about if she's going to get something, she'll always ask, would someone like something? I'm getting something, okay? So so I thought I would try to be like Joy, all right? You know you know that that little thing that used to wear, the little bracelets, the WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, mine was what would Joy do, okay? So so I was, you know, I was going to get myself some ice cream, an ice cream cone, and um and so I get out the ice cream, I get out the cones, and I look in the box, and there's one cone left. There's one cone left, and it's very dangerous to ask anybody if they would like ice cream when there's only one cone left, because there may not be any left for you once you, you get that. So I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I could just simply make myself an ice cream cone and conveniently put all the ice cream back, eat it, you know, I could do that. And or I could, what would Joy do? Uh, I could ask and say, well, would anybody like some ice cream? Get some ice cream. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, um, uh, would anybody like some ice cream? And it was fantastic because immediately Faithy said, no thanks. And I thought, all right, I'm 50% of the way there <laughs> to my ice cream cone. I'm 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 on my way. I'm on my way. And uh, and then I'm waiting for Joy to reply. And Joy's reply was, yes, please. Could I have it in a cone? So now, at this point in time, there's a moral dilemma. There's a moral dilemma because I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, you know, if I'm five years old, what I do is I eat this cone as fast as I can, and then after I've eaten it, I say, oh, darn, we're out of cones, okay? Uh, and, and it's true, all right? So I, I'm thinking, well, but I'm not five years old anymore. So, uh, you know, I said, oh, yeah, sure, sure. So I, I make her the ice cream cone, bring it in to her, and then I get a little cup, and I make, make a, a cup of ice cream for myself, and I enjoy it, just not as much as I would have if it had been the cone. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, the, why, why am I like that? Why, why do I feel sometimes this, 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 what one of my, one of my professors at, at, in grad school used to call, he used to call it a suck of self. You know, and I, he would, he would say it just like that, the suck of self. It's like, why do we have that? Why is there in us sometimes we want to, we want to live like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be able to be generous. We want to be able to share. We want to be more considerate of others. But why is it? That when we're doing that, sometimes we feel inside of ourselves this, this suck of self. And what does the Bible say to us about that? This morning, what I want us to look at is Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30, and it addresses this subject, but it's really interesting. Is I, I want you to pay very careful attention to what this text is about. Because when you first read it, if you're like me, if you sometimes read in a hurry, 
it's very easy to just kind of blaze through this text and look at it as kind of a travel log. It looks like Paul's just talking about travel plans. He's talking about his desire to send Timothy to them. He's talking about his desire to come and be with them. He's talking about having already sent to him a guy named Epaphroditus. But I think there's a lot more going on in this text than a travel log. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30 says this. It says, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else like Timothy, no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of Timothy's proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will also be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is your messenger and minister to my need. Because he was longing for you all. He was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, uh, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. When we first read this text, when you first read it, I, I don't know what goes through your mind. I, I, I know for me, you know, going through reading the book of Philippians, I, when I'm preparing for it, going through reading it again and again and again, this is one of those texts that's real easy for me to just kind of blaze through. And I, I kind of, when I look at it, I kind of think, what on earth am I supposed to say when I get to this text when we're talking about it here on Sunday morning? But as I was praying about this and as I was thinking about it and reflecting on it, I, I just began to see that, that, that a, there, there began to be uh, a system of thought, a pattern that I began to see in the text that I thought was extremely important. Because in this text I, about Timothy and about Epaphroditus, I think we have more than a travelogue. I think actually in, in both Epaphroditus and in Timothy, we, we have an example. We have an example. I think that Paul was doing more than just announcing his plans to the Philippians. I actually think that what Paul was doing is he was trying to give them an example of how he wanted to live out in their lives what he had already been teaching them and talking to them about in all the verses leading up to this. And I think that for us, there, there are four different things, that, that uh, four different lessons that I think God wants to learn from this text. And the first one is simply this, is, is that God wants us to put the concerns of others before our own. He wants us to put the concerns, he wants us to put the, the interests of other people above our own. The one of the things that we see in, in, in the life of Timothy in, in chapter 20 is that, that Paul talks about Timothy and he says, I have no one else of kindred spirit. 
I have no one else, the Greek term literally means of like spirit, or who's, who's like me. I have no one else uh, who is genuinely interested, concerned for your welfare. Now, that's really fascinating. This, this is like hugely fascinating because where's Paul at when he's writing this? Can anybody tell me? He's in prison. He's in prison in Rome. And do you know anything about the church in Rome at that time? Uh, if you read through the book of Romans, it's really interesting. When you read through the book of Romans, when Paul wrote to the Romans, when you get to chapter 16, he goes through in chapter 16, and he begins to, to commend one person after another after another. In fact, when you read through Romans chapter 16, I think he commends like 27 different people because of how unselfishly they give of their lives in serving the gospel. Now, when you read that and then you read this, you've got to ask yourself this question, what happened? What happened? What happened in this church where there were all these people that Paul had been commending, and now Paul's saying, hey, I have no one else like Timothy. All those people that he named in Romans 16, he can't name any of them here. What happened? Did they all move away? Well, that's possible. Uh, or, or sometimes what can happen in people's lives is that sometimes we kind of drift away from wanting to really follow Jesus. Wanting to live our lives the way that Jesus wants us to. That sometimes what happens in the lives of individuals, and sometimes what happens in the lives of churches, is they begin to drift away from some of the very important things that have shaped us uh, in previous years. And when Paul talks about Timothy, he says, hey, you know what? I have no one else like him, for he is genuinely concerned for your welfare. The one of the things that God wants for you and one of the things that God wants for me is he wants us to be a people who are genuinely concerned, who put the interest and the concerns of other people above ourselves. Uh, that, that This is something that, that we see it earlier in Philippians 2 in, in verse 3 when Paul says this. He says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. The one of the things that God wants for us is he, is he wants to be able to put the concerns, the interests, uh, the, the, the cares of other people above our own. Now, one of the things that I have appreciated about us as a church, I mean, I was talking with you about it this morning, is that, that I do, I, I genuinely appreciate the way the people of this church, that they love, live, serve, give. Uh, in, in following Jesus. I, that's something, I mean, I appreciate that when the Dormans move away and when Christy Dorman steps down from leading our children's ministry, and Christy did a fantastic job. But I love the way Kimberly stepped right up. She stepped right up, stepped right in. I appreciate how so many others of you, it's been interesting this summer, we've had a, a, a number of families who've recently moved away uh, and, and with that, we've lost a few workers in our children's ministries. But I appreciate how so many of you have unselfishly given of your time and your gifts to love and serve uh, and to build into the lives of our children, to invite our children to follow Jesus, to invite them to, to become more like Jesus. And I appreciate how so many of you stepped in there. And, and how a number of you are meeting immediately after church. And you're going to be working on and talking about how can we do a better job of loving and serving and leading our children to Christ. But one of the things that God wants to be 
uh, that God wants in our lives is he wants us to be more like Timothy. He wants us to be an example of sincerely caring about the needs of others. We, we want us to be more like Timothy, people who are more focused on Christ's concerns than we are our own concerns. I think there's a second lesson for us in this text, and that's this, is that God wants us to work together to advance the gospel. That God wants us to work together to advance the gospel. In verse 22, Paul talking about Timothy, he says, but you know of Timothy's proven value. Now, how would the Philippians know about Timothy? How would they know of his proven value? And if you've been with us in the series, you remember in Acts chapter 16, when Paul first went to Philippi and started the church there, he went with a team of people. Uh, that there were three other guys who went with Paul. There was Silas, uh, Timothy, and Luke, along with Paul. And uh, that happened probably about ten years before Paul wrote this letter. And so when Paul had been there in Philippi, and when he had been serving the people there, Timothy had been there with Paul, serving right alongside him. And what we see Timothy, or what we hear that Timothy was doing is, he says, you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving with his father. That what, what Paul and what Timothy were doing is they were serving together to advance the gospel. That this is what God wants us to do in our community. This is why we do things like, like um, uh, this is why we do things like, like Week of Hope. Uh, this is why we, uh, for, for those of y'all who may be newer to our church or maybe you weren't here with us, but what we do every year, the third week of July, one of the things that we do as a, as a church is we ought to try to take some vacation time together. And then what we do is we go out into our community. We do all kinds of things. Uh, this year we did something new. We, we had, a, a, uh, we had a, a car wash immediately after church that Sunday. And uh, we had about 40 ch- uh, cars, I think, from people in our community. Or 60? 50. 150. It was 150. It was a thousand. Okay, it was a thousand cars. There were a bunch of cars. A bunch of cars came through. We washed our cars, and all we did was we just tried to show them uh, kindness, and, and we did it for free. And if anybody wanted to make a donation, we collected a little bit of food for the Solano Food Bank to, to help support uh, hungry families, hungry people in our community. And what we were doing is we were just loving and serving people in our community that Jesus loves. That others of us helped at the leaven. Others of us went and helped at the Fisher House over on at the at the uh, at, at uh, Travis. Uh, others of us served in in uh, taking uh, treats and stuff to to first responders, to our police, to our our firefighters. But what we did is we just went out into our community, serving people, serving the people that Jesus loves. And as we did that, we invited them to our our, our barbecue. Uh, into the concert that we did here, our Celebration of Hope Barbecue and Concert. And we had, I can't remember what it was, but I think it was 155 total is what the final count was, uh, of people. And uh, and then Josh shared his testimony. You did a great job, Josh. Thank you. Uh, and Carolyn shared a short evangelistic uh, devotional. And then we invited people to follow Jesus with us. But the, one of the things that we like to do, you know, we're getting ready to in, in uh, October, we'll do this again. We're going to go out. We're going to we're going to uh, put on our fall festival over at at Wood Creek Park, and we're going to set up these little fun booths where children can come and, and and play some games and have a lot of fun. And all we're going to do is we're just going to love and serve people in our community uh, and build bridges of goodwill uh, so that we can invite people to our church and invite people to follow Jesus with us. 
But what God wants us to do is he wants us to work together to advance the gospel the way we, say, the way we saw or see Paul and Timothy doing it here. Third thing that, that third lesson I think that God has for us in this text is that God wants us to be willing to suffer to minister to the needs of others. Uh, now, I, that's not, I know, that, that doesn't, this is not the ice cream part of the message. This is the spinach part. I mean, the truth is, how many of us just love to suffer? Okay. Okay, good. Not, none of us. But what God wants for us is he wants us to care so much for other people that we're willing to actually suffer on their behalf. Where do we see that in the text? Epaphroditus, beginning in verse 12 or 25, is that the Paul says that about Epaphroditus that, that he had, um, had gotten very sick uh, while he had gone to, to help Paul. What had happened, uh, just so you're kind of aware of what's going on in the text, is that the, the Philippians, when, if you were in prison at that time, if you were in prison, they didn't provide you with food. Okay? No food. They didn't provide you with clothing. They didn't provide you with medical care. They did, however, provide you with a pair of shackles, you know, uh, and, and, and guards. They provided all of that, but they didn't provide all these other things. If you were in prison awaiting trial, you were dependent upon your friends, your family, people who cared about you to take care of your basic needs. So a church in northern Greece, in Macedonia, in Philippi, 800 miles away, took a collection, and they sent what they collected financially 800 miles with this guy named Epaphroditus and probably a couple others, and they took this to Paul to help care for him while he was awaiting trial. Apparently, we don't know exactly what happened, but Epaphroditus got really, really sick. And in, in fact, it was, it was so serious that he almost died. Uh, Paul mentions this several times that how he came close to death uh, to, to serve uh, Paul. And that what God wants for us is he wants us to be people who are, are like Epaphroditus, people who are willing to suffer for other people. Uh, we, we see this earlier in the text, the same attitude uh, in the person of Jesus. In, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, uh, verses 5 through 8, uh, Paul says this. He says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, I mean, he was fully God. In every sense that God the Father, God the Holy Spirit were. That, that have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to, to be grasped, something to cling to, 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 to fight for his rights. Jesus didn't do that. Uh, he, he didn't regard it as something to cling to. Instead, uh, he, uh, where am I at? Verse 6. He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be uh, grasped, verse 7. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That what, what Epaphroditus did was he actually kind of lived out uh, in, in trying to serve Paul, something like what Jesus did for us. It, that he didn't die, but he came close to death just to minister to the needs of another person. What happens in a church? What happens in a family? 
when people love and serve each other like that. I'm not talking about giving up an ice cream cone, okay? I'm talking about really being willing to suffer uh, for the sake of ministering to another person. I think there's a fourth lesson for us in this text, and that's this, is that number four, that God wants us to hold in high regard those who risk their lives for the work of Christ. That God wants to hold in high, high regard those who risk their lives for the work of Christ. In verses 29 and 30, Paul says this about Epaphroditus. He says, receive him, receive Epaphroditus then in the Lord uh, with all joy. And hold men like him in high regard. Why? Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. You know, it's interesting to me. I was looking up the other day. I was kind of curious about uh, uh, after uh, Golden State won the NBA championship this last year, um, uh, about a million people came together to celebrate their homecoming. About a million people. Uh, that, that whenever a team, a sports team, wins a major championship, thousands, in some cases, a million or more people will come together to celebrate a group of guys who won a game that's for children. That what we do is we applaud people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with rooting for your favorite team. Stuff. I, I root for the Arkansas Razorbacks, okay? Uh, I... I I don't think they'll ever win a major championship again. Uh, uh, it was it was really funny this year. They well, no, I'm not going to get into that. In baseball, in baseball, they 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 were one foul ball away from winning uh, the the NCAA championship in baseball. And this kid runs it. There's three of them, and one guy runs right into the middle of them, and they all drop it. Uh, and that would have been the final out, and they would have won. Instead, they end up losing that game, and then they lost the next game, and Oregon State won. But, you know, it, it, what's crazy is that, that, that we get so caught up. I get so caught up in a baseball game. I get so caught up in rooting for my favorite team. We get so caught up in applauding people for doing things that ultimately really don't matter that much. And what the Bible is telling us is that the kind of people that we're supposed to be applauding, the kind of people we're supposed to be holding in high regard, are people who, from a worldly perspective, don't matter as much, but people who are willing to to, to lay it all on the line, people who are willing to risk their lives um, uh, for the sake of Christ. You know... um, there's a lot more to life than ice cream cones, okay? There's a lot more to life than, than ball games. Uh, that, that what God is wanting for us is not just a, a life of pleasing ourselves. I mean, I think that's what comes easy for us. That's what comes naturally. But what God wants is he doesn't want us to do what comes naturally. He wants us to do what comes supernaturally. That what God wants for us is he wants us to be a people who put the interest and the concerns of other people above our own. He wants us to be a people who are working together, uh, working together for the advancement of the gospel. He, he wants us to be a people who are willing to suffer while serving one another. And he wants us to hold in high regard those who are willing to lay it all on the line for the cause of Christ. Let's pray. 
God, today what we want is we want to be a people who are more like Jesus. Uh, Lord, we don't want to just come and, and, and study your Bible and, and uh, to kind of learn new things, but we want to, to actually live what we see in your word. God, we want to be a people who are more like Jesus, people who are willing to empty ourselves of our rights to do what's right and serving other people. Uh, and, Lord, we want to be able to do that for the honor and the glory of your name. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.